Hello everyone, welcome and thanks for being with us today. Over some weeks we've been looking at the question, what if it's true? And today we're asking the question, what if it's true, God loves us? Before we start, let me just simply say, ladies, happy Mother's Day on this vastly different day. As family members reach out to you, so we as a church also are grateful for you and we want to say thank you. Now, I'm very conscious that on Mother's Day, it's a tough day for some women because it accentuates past and present sadnesses, the loss of someone special, the pain of a rift because of something that was said in anger or not said through neglect. So mums, grandmas, daughters, sisters, and let me say women who have not been married or who have not had children, we want you to know you're appreciated and loved. I wonder right now if someone listening is asking, does God love me? What if it's true God loves me? Leighton Ford, a Christian leader, author and speaker, was an adopted boy. After his adopted parents died, he traced his birth parents and caught up first with his father and then 12 months later, he met up with his mother in St. Catharines in Ontario. He phoned her, and after four decades, she heard his voice for the first time. Mum, this is your boy. Can I meet you? She said, OK. And on a cold winter day, he drove from Toronto to St. Catharines. He said, when I arrived in the driveway on that biting cold morning, she was standing outside under a tree waiting for me. As mother and son met after 40 years, he wrapped his arms around her and said, Mum, thank you for allowing me to come into the world. Later, as they hugged and parted ways, he asked, Is there anything I can do for you? And he said she choked, stuttered, stammered and wept and said, Just love me. Just love me. Is there a deeper cry of the heart? It doesn't matter if you're strongly connected to a supportive family or are isolated, alone, feeling unloved. You may be the complete parent or like me, struggle with the regrets of the times I've blown it. Maybe you're a parent who couldn't keep your child for whatever reason. It makes no difference if you've got life altogether or not. All of us have an intense need to be loved. Just love me is the fundamental cry of being human. Friends, love is experienced through other people's commitment to our good. In their acceptance despite our flaws, their persistent kindness, care and forgiveness. But please hear me. No spouse, mother or child or friend can fully satisfy your deepest longing for complete love and ultimate joy. Such an expectation will crush them and disappoint you. Their criticisms will crush you and their imperfections will disappoint you. C.S. Lewis made this comment. He said, most people, if they look into their hearts, know that what they want, acutely want, is something that cannot be had in this world. The Bible teaches not to set 
anyone or anything in this world on a pedestal and expect them to fill that dimension of love that they can't give. To do so is called idolatry. But what if there is a true, perfect love? What if there is a love that you've been seeking all your life that can only be found in God? What if it's true? God loves you. During the week, I asked four people, three from our church and a friend of mine who lives in Holland, uh, questions about love. I asked John from our church this question. I said, John, why do you need to know God loves you? Let me read what he said. He said, ultimately, we all need to feel loved. Human love at even the highest level will disappoint at times. I need the assurance that God, my heavenly Father, loves me unconditionally every moment of my life. Knowing that gives me his perspective on my worth and empowers me to love others. So how do you know God loves you? Well, firstly, the scriptures say that God loves you. In 1962, renowned Swiss theologian Karl Barth was asked after a lecture if he could summarize in a sentence his life's work in theology. He paused and said, yes, I can. And then continued, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I love it that Jesus held the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, as God's word and attested to their accuracy and authenticity and then promised that the New Testament would have the seal of the Holy Spirit's inspiration and authority in them. You know, there's no one chapter or entire book in the scriptures devoted completely to defining God's love. Yet in clear statements, through acts of kindness, in his contractual commitment to love us, the whole Bible, 66 books, is an overarching narrative about God's love for humanity. So for instance, the Psalms alone speak of God's steadfast love 132 times. Let me read to you from Psalm 103. In Psalm 103, we read these words. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and his steadfast love endures. Or we could turn to uh, the lamentation of Jeremiah. Jeremiah mourned as his country was being decimated by the Babylonian invaders. And he wrote in Lamentations 3.22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Or we could go to the New Testament, to one of the uh, final books of the New Testament. And there in 1 John, the first letter of John, chapter 4, twice, we read in that fourth chapter, God is love. In other words, everything that God is and everything that he does is colored and is driven by love. And then, of course, there is the iconic John 3.16, which Many of us would know by heart, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, 
that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You see, when God loves, he loves the world. When he gives, he gives his son. So if today you're unsure about God loving you, can I suggest that you pick up a Bible and maybe start with the Psalms and read those Psalms in all their raw honesty? Or go to the New Testament, to the second part of the Scriptures, to the first four narratives, what we call the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, and read about Jesus. And as you read, you'll encounter the God who loves you. How do we know God loves us? Secondly, we see the love of God in the authentic lives of God's faith heroes, struggling, suffering, but being sustained by God's love. You know, there's a gallery of them in Hebrews chapter 11. Let me just refer to one of them. Job lost his property, his children, respect of his wife. He was mercilessly attacked by Satan, misread by his friends. And as he wrestled with the confusion of despair, his memory of God's love moved him to say in Job 19, let me read it to you. I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last, he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I shall see him, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes will behold it, and not another. My faith, my, sorry, my, my heart faints within me. If you measure God's love by a pain-free, suffering-free life, then God hates the faith heroes of chapter 11 of Hebrews. While struggling with what he called a thorn in the flesh, Paul heard Jesus' words recorded in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where Jesus said to him, My grace is sufficient for you. For my, my power is made perfect in weakness. You see, what gives credibility to someone's story is how they live in the midst of life's distressing experiences. That's what enables the reader to relate. I asked another person in our church, a young man by the name of Daniel. I asked him, what causes you to question God's love? Let me read to you what Daniel replied. Daniel said, coming from a refugee background, I've pondered this question on numerous occasions. It was hard to understand how God can love me and allow us to go through what we went through. We lost most of what we owned through the war and robberies, and it was easy to blame God and to question his love for me. However, I know that if it wasn't for human sin, and if we weren't involved in a spiritual, a spiritual war, it would never have happened. But more important is to understand that God was suffering with us throughout everything. How do we know God loves us? We experience God's love through his church. In a number of the letters to the first church, the early church that was in it growing into many countries, the apostles wrote words similar to this. They wrote to the uh, church in Ephesus, in Colossae, 
to the church in Thessaloniki. They wrote a letter to the, to the Jewish Christians dispersed through the world. And basically, in, in each of these letters, there is a similar comment that appears where Paul or the other writers say, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. I contacted a friend of mine. We did our training in college together 40, 50 years ago. Uh, Robert now lives in uh, Amsterdam in Holland. And I asked Robert, when did you first know God loves you? Let me read to you what Robert said. Robert said, when I was 17 years old, Ian, your brother, invited me to Friday evening youth group. Coming from a background without love, I was so impressed by the love and the acceptance that I experienced from the youth. This caused me to open my heart to God. And when I went home that evening, I knelt beside my bed and prayed to this God who loves me. That night in prayer, my life changed and the joy that came has never left. The awareness of God's love is still increasing in my life. That was it. Simple, but profound. You know, friends, that night, nearly 50 years ago, the youth of this church lived out God's love and revealed God's heart to a 17-year-old. And his life was changed forever by experiencing God's love. So let me ask the question again, how do we know God loves us? Well, fourthly, ultimately, we see God's love most clearly in Jesus Christ. God's love is not an abstract idea because life is not an abstract issue. It's tangible, personal, and often painful. Entering into the human story, God revealed his love, not in a well-reasoned argument, a bunch of words, but through one who is known as the Word. John writes in his Gospel, chapter 1, and the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Jesus laid aside the privileges of eternity, humbled himself, became vulnerable, and for 33 years, limited himself to time and space. He dwelt among us. In Jesus, God's amazing love, full of grace and mercy, converged on the cross with our sin, our hopelessness, our fear, and our despair. 2 Corinthians 5.17 very clearly explains this. It says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God through him. Did you hear that? An exchange has taken place. He took our sin and he gave us his righteousness. But perhaps the most uh, uh, clear uh, presentation of God's love in Jesus Christ is in the book of Romans chapter 5. Let me read these words, Romans 5, 6, 8 and 10. In Romans 5, we read these words. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And then it goes on and says, But God demonstrated his own love towards us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then in verse 10, 
For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more than having been reconciled, we will be saved by the life of Christ. I wonder if you notice those four words that are underlined on the PowerPoint. That we were helpless, ungodly, sinners and enemies. That's where we were when God moved towards us in love. God does not love you because you're serviceable, functional or lovable. He loves you simply because he loves you. Friend, this is the only kind of love you can ever be secure in, since it's the only kind of love you cannot possibly lose. You see, at the center of the Christian faith is the only true man, unstained by sin. At the center of the Christian life is that same man, now a lonely man, stretched out on a cross, cursed because of our sin. God's judgment fell on our sin, on him, and he was crushed. Understand, the true measure of a person's love for you is the greatness of the price they pay, the cost they incur. The price he paid is immeasurable. So, if it's true, God loves you that much then there's only one response. Humbly admit your sin, your indifference to God, your unwillingness up until now to take God seriously, accept your inability to earn your uh, way into his good books and surrender the right to control your life over to him. Tell God you're relying on what Jesus did on the cross for you as the only way. You see, he sets people free who are captive to the limited ambitions and addictions of this life. He puts people on their feet so that they can live with integrity. He not only paid the debt we incurred, he empowers us for life now, prepares us for the challenges and the struggles that we face now. And he prepares us for when we will come face to face with our mortality. I asked one more person, and I asked Jane, when did you first know God loved you? Let me read what what Jane replied. Jane wrote, at my first church youth camp, I was having a low moment when I asked God, what do you see in me anyway? God gave me an image in my mind of the bud of a hibiscus flower. I was struck by the idea that God saw me as beautiful and full of potential like the bud of a flower. Definitely not the way that I saw myself at that time. I have continued to be grateful and awed by the fact that he responded at all to a frustrated, self-absorbed teen that I was. My friends... God not only opens our eyes to what we're like without his life-changing love, he also opens our eyes to what we will be if 
we open our minds and our hearts to Jesus. What an amazing story, the story of God's love. Let me ask you to bow with me in prayer. Now, Father, we want to thank you for the love that was revealed to us through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that right up until Jesus came, you were preparing us in so many ways and expressions of your love for the greatest demonstration of the love of God. We thank you, Father, that your love changes lives. And I want to pray for any today who may be uh, struggling with life. I ask, Father, that this day you will just pour your love into them, that they might begin a fresh new life with you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, if you have any questions that you'd like to ask, then please don't hesitate to make contact with our church. Uh, make contact through uh, Facebook or through the church webpage. But we'd love to hear from you because more than anything, we would love that you encounter and know the love of God through Jesus Christ.